Spring of Life Fellowship and the vision of changing the world invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Let's listen to our guest. I wanted to ask Pastor if he would show that uh, because so many of you have prayed for us over the years and you're involved with us uh, financially and the church supports us and been very generous with us and I wanted you to make sure that you knew what uh, God was doing in the ministry that's a very small portion of it Uh, Jesus was very clear about us being involved with uh, that's fine we can leave okay about us being involved with orphans widows and and prisoners that uh, you know when you've touched the least of these you've You've touched me. So uh, that's one thing. I've been privileged and blessed to work with churches who are in other countries who are, who have orphanages and uh, who have prison outreach, and I love going to prison. Uh, my book, Murder for Hire, is probably one of the most popular, well-read books in the prison system in the United States. Uh, right now we're about to uh, get the final approval for the majoring men curriculum to be uh, put into all 113 prisons in the state of Texas. And along with that, amen. <clears throat> along with that will be our, our, our books, Murder for Hire and the Unnatural Act of Forgiveness. And we have a workbook that goes along with that. And uh, last night, uh, this week's just been incredible. Uh, that's why, uh, you know, the first time that I was... I was doing a word study, and I it was years before I met Pastor Joaquin, and uh, I, I came across uh, my Bible, my, dic- my dictionary has pictures in it, and I came across the word intense, and here was this guy named Joaquin Molina. His picture was in the dictionary, and then I met him in Ecuador, and um, so uh, what a what a what an incredible journey and adventure it's been for he and I and to meet his family and his his father Raul we for the first time in years he and, and uh, your mother and Betty and I got to spend time with them last night it was a real real joy and a real blessing thank you Raul I appreciate that and with the you we're with the young people last night and uh, Omar acknowledged there's a couple of people that had new cars and some one of the girls got a Mustang and another girl got a Volvo and I thought, well, you know, I'm going to let them know about my BMW, you know. And I want you to meet my BMW, my beautiful, majestic wife, Betty. <laughs> I talk about her everywhere I go. And uh, so then by the time she finally gets there, uh, they just love all over her and uh, every place that she has an opportunity to go with me, uh, she's overwhelmed with the people, and she said, "I just love them." And um, I haven't figured out yet, Pastor Raul. Maybe you can help me, or one of you other men who are seasoned. Uh, I asked Betty to go to the Fiji Islands with me, and she went. I asked her to go to New Zealand with me, she went. I asked her to go to Australia with me, she went. Asked her to go to Omaha, Nebraska, and she had to sew a dress or something for the kids. I don't understand, you know, in November what the deal is. Um, I looked for a, uh, I looked for a joke. 
that had to do with a doctor, a lawyer, and a pastor. Because all of uh, Joaquin's family are in the medical field except him. And um, so the other day when he was over at the hotel with me and I was changing the sterile dressing on my foot, I told him, I said, hey, Joaquin, hey, look, look what God did. Look, I want to show you the miracle. I want to show you this, this wound. It was nine inches long, and now it's only an inch. I mean, God's reproduced all the flesh and tissue and grown me new baby pink skin. And he wasn't moving. He was across the room there sitting in a chair, and he goes, I, I don't handle that too good. <laughs> he said, that's why I became attorney. And so I thought, well, I got to, surely there's a joke, you know, on Google. There's got to be a joke about a, a doctor, the medical field, and a pastor, and a lawyer, you know, or something. So I found one that said there, there was this, this doctor, a lawyer, a pastor, and a young boy who went on an afternoon flight in an airplane around the city. And when they were up there, the, the, the engine conked out. And the pilot did everything he could to get it started. And finally, he jumped up out of the pilot's seat. And he said, listen, uh, we're going to have to bail out, you know. Grab a parachute and go. Well, he grabs a parachute and jumps out. And there's only uh, uh, three parachutes left. And there's the doctor, the lawyer, and the pastor, and the young boy. And, and, and the doctor says, well, you know, I got a lot of lives to save yet, you know, so I, I'm necessary. I have to jump out. So he took a parachute and jumped out. And the lawyer says, well, look, you know, I am the smartest man in the world. And so there's a lot of people that need me. And you'll acknowledge that Pastor Joaquin, when he was attorney, he's brilliant, right? So anyway, he grabbed one and he jumps out of the airplane. And the pastor was older and he said, look, young man, he said, I've lived a long, full life, and um, you take the the, a pair, the last parachute, and you live your life. And the boy said, no problem, Pastor. He said, the smartest man in the world just took my backpack and jumped out of the airplane. <laughs> yeah, there was two parachutes left. I love these iPads because I can make that type just as big as I want to make it. I don't have to keep putting my glasses on and off. Uh, it's kind of hard in, in, a, in a week like this to, uh, to remember what you shared in which session and not repeat yourself and sound like a parrot. But uh, I want to talk to you today. I believe what the Lord wants to, to minister uh, is something that, that God revealed to Betty and I as we've gone through this last year and a half of, of these medical challenges. And uh, when I was in the hospital, I told uh, somebody the other night in one of the sessions that when they, they uh, cut the bottom of my foot off to try to get the gangrene infection stopped, they wanted to amputate it. And uh, just so there's no more risk, we're done. We don't have to worry about infection getting in your bone and you're dying from this. So their solution was just amputate. And we, we told the surgeon that's not what we were believing God for. And so the first morning after I saw what they had done to my foot, I looked at it and I thought, wow, 
We've had to walk in faith in a lot of areas over the last 40-something years with five children and 11 grandchildren and believing God for things and going through deals and my father being murdered. And, and I thought I knew what faith was. But I looked at my foot and I thought, I'm going to have to believe God to, to grow my foot back. I have no flesh on the bottom of my foot. My heel bone was just dangling down, nothing to hold it on. It was just hanging there. And I said, God, I don't think I can conjure up enough faith. And he said, you're right. You can't. It's a gift of grace, the gift of faith. He said, faith starts in your heart because that's the only place that will accept the unreasonable. Your mind never will. And he said, if you'll just seek me first, my kingdom, my righteousness, all these things will be, shall be added unto you. He said, if you'll just worship me and seek me first. And so I reached over to get my Bible off the nightstand there in the hospital room. And the Lord said, no, I didn't say read the word. I said, worship me. So I got my earphones and my grandson had brought me an iPod with 183 songs and it says Papa's music and uh, I got that put my earphones in and the Lord said no I didn't say to listen to music to get in the mood to worship me and I've been guilty of that there are certain songs that really get me in the mood a feeling to worship him. And I took my earphones off and laid them down. And I said, well, then God, I, I don't guess I know how to worship you. He said, sure you do. How do you feel when your grandchildren come running to you? I said, oh, there's nothing like it. He said, yeah, because when they come running to you, it's for who you are, not what you can do. He said, I created you in my image. He said, Jack, seek your healer, not your healing. Seek your provider, not your provision. He didn't mean don't stand on the word, don't pray. He didn't mean any of that. He said, seek me first. Seek first the kingdom of God, which is righteousness, peace, and joy, and the Holy Spirit. And all these things shall be added unto you. He said, because in my presence, when you worship me, and my presence overwhelms you, all that I am, all my attributes will overtake you.
in Matthew 6.33, where that scripture comes from, I want to read you the Message Bible. And it actually, in the Message, goes from 31 to 34 in Matthew 6. And what he says is, what I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax. To not be so preoccupied with getting. So you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things. But you know both. You know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, and God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. So, one of the things that God impressed upon us was that God directs our steps. And that even though I may have been in a hospital for a medical need, it doesn't change the fact that God directs my steps. And we learned a long time ago to ask God, why do you have me here? I know I'm here for this reason, but your ways are above my ways. And you said to trust in you with all my heart and not to lean just to my own understanding, but in all my ways acknowledge you. And so if his ways are above our ways, we need to find out if you really believe he directs your steps, why do you have me here, God? Why do you have me here in the hospital? Yeah, I know why I'm here. I know why I'm here. I know my way is, you know, you get hurt, you got to go to the doctor. You know, that's, that's wisdom. It doesn't change your faith, and it doesn't change God. But I want to know why you have me here. And I shared this the other night, and he said, Christ in you will be the only hope of glory for many people that come, come through your hospital door. And it turned that whole three-week adventure uh, into a journey to fulfill God's will in people's lives that I never would have had the opportunity to share the gospel. When they would come into the hospital room each morning at 4.25 a.m., and say, good morning, turn the light on. Good morning, Mr. King, we've come to take your blood. And I said, I'm glad you mentioned the blood. Do you know about the blood? And ended up, I had one blood technician that would go down, and before they would make the rounds, he would snatch my little vials that they had to get blood, and he wanted to come and take my blood every morning so he could hear me share about how much God loves him. It was amazing. Over that three-week period, every day, doctor after doctor, nurse after nurse, even the housekeeping <laughs> a lady that would come in the room, uh, they ask you, before they do anything, what's your date of birth? 
Well, April 18th, 1947, you going to give me a birthday card? Every person comes in, no matter what they're doing. I know they're verifying, you know, make sure you you didn't swap beds and messing with their heads, you know, uh, with the guy next door or something. So the little housekeeping lady comes in. She walks in the door and asked me if she cleaned the room. And I said, what's your birthday? She looked at me. I said, what's your birthday? Everybody else coming here asking my birthday. I want to know what your birthday is. Well, I'm telling you, she just lit up, and she would just, we were laughing and talking and having a good time. And then we were able to share Christ with her. I don't know how many hundred books that I gave away and how many people that I had the opportunity to pray with. But one particular one was the accounting director who called me, and she said, Mr. King, I don't know if you realize it, but that indemnity card that you gave us is not real health insurance. It just pays very little, maybe a few hundred dollars. She said, you know, your your bill so far is over $90,000, and it'll, it'll, it'll double at least and probably be close to a quarter of a million dollars before you get all the bills in from all the doctors and, and, and you know, everything. And she said, so... Uh, we need $10,000 today. And I said, well, and she said, you can put it on a credit card. And I said, well, we don't have a credit card with that much room on it. I don't, with that kind of a limit on it. I don't have a $10,000 credit card. And uh, I said, listen, you know, we're, we're talking business over the phone, and I really don't like to do business over the phone with somebody I haven't met. So would you mind coming up to my room? And she said, oh, that's very improper. And I said, uh, uh, well, bring whoever you want to bring with you to the room. And uh, I said, but I'm not going to talk anymore about this business. Uh, I'm not going to talk anymore about business until we meet face to face. You don't know me. I don't know you. I don't do business that way. And so about 15 minutes later, she knocked on the door and she came in. She's by herself. She had a a file folder there, which I assumed was my stack of hospital bills so far. And uh, she came in, and I had two books on the end of the bed that my surgeon had asked me to sign to give to a surgeon friend of his. And uh, when she saw Murder for Hire, she said, Oh, you like murder mysteries? I said, Not really. Uh, but that's a book I wrote about finding my father murdered. And she goes, oh, I'm so sorry, Mr. King. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. And I said, no, 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 no. I said, it's okay. I said, God's really used to us. It's amazing. As a matter of fact, I said, I wrote a second book. It's underneath it. It's called The Unnatural Act of Forgiveness because forgiveness just doesn't come natural. And she dropped the book and began to cry grabbed a Kleenex and went out of the room and and I thought well great king you blew that <laughs> you know here I thought I could you know soft talker and sweet talker into giving me a break on my bill or something you know how, how about a discount a twofer special or something you know and uh, about a few minutes later she came back in she's got Kleenexes in both hands and she's Wiping her mascara running down her face, and she's sniffing and snotting and blowing her nose. And 
And she comes over by the side of the bed, and she had dropped the file folder there, and she said, I'm fine. And I said, no, you're not. Who can't you forgive? And she said, you wouldn't understand. I said, you're probably right, but your Father in heaven does. She said, it's my ex-husband, and I hate him, and I'll never forgive him. I said, really? She said, yes, he killed my baby. While he was in my womb, he was beating me. And I began to think, she got a point. <laughs> All I could do, I said, I took her hand, I said, would you let me pray with you? Let me pray for you. I was overwhelmed with what a mother would go through with her baby being kicked and beat in her womb. And all I could do was pray the Word of God, how much God loved her, wanted to hold her, wanted to heal her heart. When I finished praying, she took some more Kleenexes. I said, are you going to charge me for those? I was trying to lighten the moment. <laughs> she goes, no, I'll replace them. And I said, well, they're $67 a box in case you <laughs> haven't looked at the bill. I'm serious. I mean, like they're three for a dollar at Walmart. I'm like, who does your shopping? And uh, she picked up my file folder, put it under her arm, walked over to the door. And she's turned around and looked at me. She said, let me see if I can get you some financial help. We never talked business. We only talked God's business. After I got out of the hospital, we got a phone call. She said, I hope you're sitting down. She said, because I went to the financial board and, and told them, if there's ever anybody that needed a financial break or deserved it, that deserved a financial break. She said, it's this man of God. She said, Mr. King, your bill is now $5,000. Here's the bill with the discount on it. You see these stones? You remember when Joshua was taking the Israelites, the 12 tribes of Israel, into the promised land? He said, look, we've got to make sure that your children always know about the faithfulness of God. He said, everyone you try, pick up a stone. When you get in the middle of the Jordan, pick up a stone. We're going to take it in. And then we're going to stack them up. We're going to make a monument to God. And when your children say, what mean you these stones? You're going to testify. You're going to give the testimony of God's faithfulness to you. We all have testimonies. Those are our stones. This is a stone. When God took something that was meant for bad, and turned it to good.
I put every one of my children and grandchildren's names in here. I mean, they tell everybody, my name's in a book. <laughs> my papa wrote it. That's another stone. My children will never forget. That's the importance of putting your testimony of what God's done in your life into print so it's never lost. Anyone ever asks about your heritage or your parents, their parents, after we're gone, they can say, here, here, read this. You want to know what our family's like? You want to know how about faithful God is? And as you know, I wrote another book called The Unnatural Act of Forgiveness. And some additional names are in there because of the additional grandchildren. And I wrote and signed each one of them. And then we translated the books into Spanish. Those are our stones. Everybody has testimony. Everybody has stones. But can I tell you, when they kept coming into my room and checking my foot and the doctor said, Mr. King, we can't ethically continue and ignore the fact that you still have gangrene in your foot. It's still eating the flesh. We've got you on double IV antibiotics and we can't get ahead of the gangrene. There's nothing else we can do. We have to amputate. And Betty and I kept telling him, you can do more surgery. But I said, don't you cut off my leg. And so after the second surgery, they waited three days and put the wound back on it. Came back three days later took it off shook their heads they said look there's your foot will never be functional you'll never walk on it again your heels hanging down we just left a strip of skin to hold your Achilles tendon on they said if we don't amputate you could die you just can't take the risk of the infection getting into the bone in your foot and so they did a third surgery. And they said, look, it, it takes months and months and for new flesh to regrow. If we see some sign of a creamy substance that looks like it has a sand in it, a granular creamy substance, then we can tell that new flesh is trying to grow inside your foot. They had cut it an inch and a half deep all the skin off just like this heel wedge it was gone just like this heel it was all gone from the ball of my foot all the way back here and they said that's just too big a wound and takes too long a time and then if if your capillaries grow and you have new new you have some blood circulating to that creamy substance start turning pink and that takes weeks and sometimes months and and your and some tissue new flesh inside your foot will begin to grow and he said it'll actually it, it, it'll look like a piece of steak filet mignon just a big beefy red piece of meat and then he said we'll have to do a skin graft and 
you know, I'm, I'm thinking, how much is all this going to cost? <laughs> all the skin grafts are $37,000 each time. And, and he said, that's such a big wound. And so then we talked about bioengineered skin and how much it was and how many sections they'd ha I'd have to buy. And we pursued all this because I wanted to know, you know, I'm, it's, it's my life, it's my body, it's my leg they're trying to take. And I asked them questions medically, you know, why do you say this won't happen? They said, we just can't leave a wound open that long. And it just, it just won't, it's just not going to happen. So after the third surgery, when they came to the room, they said, look, if there's any, and they were going to take the wound back off, and and see if there was still more black dead skin or flesh and they they actually gathered the surgical team dr leal the infectious head of the infectious wound department at baylor hospital there irving she was there and dr grossman and the kidney specialist and the guy with the hacksaw over in the corner and and the wound care specialist renee canaris from spain which was just an incredible guy that he and I just had a great time together and was very informative. And uh, and I was really able to minister to him every time. I really looked forward to him. He had to come in every day and they had to change the, the wound back. And they all gathered around the end of my bed. And uh, that morning at 3.11 a.m., God had woke me up. I looked at the clock and I heard the Lord say, Today I'm going to show you my amazing love. And I thought, wow, I wonder who he's going to bring through the door today. Well, here they are, 10 a.m., gathered around the end of the bed. They're going to look at it and then take me straight down. They had the operating room ready. Said if there's one black spot of dead flesh, we got it. we're not waiting any longer. And they took it off, six or seven of them, standing around the end of it, the bed. And Dr. Lifshin, my Jewish surgeon, when he took that off and pulled that big piece of foam out of the inside of my wound, he said, wow. And Dr. Lee Howe goes, amazing. And Dr. Grossman said, unbelievable. And Renee Kinnear said, uh, awesome. And I said, what? What? I can't see. Well, I can't see the bottom of my foot. What, what's amazing? They said, you have new flesh growing in the bottom of your foot. It looks like a piece of beefy red meat. I said, that's my Savior. That's my Father. That's my healer. That's my provider. And I looked, yeah. I looked over at the calendar on the wall, and it said February 14th, Valentine's Day. I said, Renee, would you tear that calendar page off the wall real gentle and hand it to me? That's my Valentine's card from God. And I wrote on here today, God showed me his amazing love. I said, Dr. Lifshin, what would you say? When you saw what God did in my foot, what would you say? He said, wow. I took my pen and I wrote wow on here. I said, would you sign that affirming what God did in my foot? And he goes, yeah. So Dr. J. Lifshin signed it. 
I said, Dr. Leo, what would you say? She said, incredible. Every one of them signed my Valentine's card from God, attesting to the miracle of God's faithfulness. That's my stone that I carry with me and my wife carried. I don't know what God's doing in your life. But I know he wants to never, never, never lose your love. We talk about our faith in God. But I want to talk about God's faith in us. It is one thing to have faith in God. It's another thing to realize how much faith God has in you. When David was at Ziklag and everybody had been captured and taken and it said there was nobody around. To encourage him. It said David had to encourage himself. And what you may not understand, of course, the 23rd Psalm, the fourth verse, says, Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. What David had done was he had taken his staff and he had etched a bear on there. He had etched a lion on there. He had etched Goliath on there, this giant. And when it says David encouraged himself in the Lord, he looked at what God had done in his life. And that's what encouraged himself. See, many times there may not be anybody around to encourage you. And the only thing you have is to fall back on, to make it through tough times, is to remind yourself of God's faithfulness and what he's done in your life. And encourage yourself. Because encouragement imparts strength in a time of battle. When God told Moses to commission and charge Joshua, he said, encourage and strengthen him to take my people into the promised land. And that's our responsibility, to encourage and strengthen each other in the Lord. But when nobody's around and you're by yourself, do what David did. Encourage yourself. Remind yourself of God's faithfulness. That he said he'd never leave you or forsake you. I thank God for men like Pastor Joaquin Molina and the men and women of faith that God has surrounded you with. This, this week has been incredible for Betty and I. And I was reminded of something, and not only do you have to remember that failure is only an event. It's not a person. And 
I shared this earlier that you can't let a failure or something you're going through define you. And what it does to you. This week, Betty and I have experienced a deep, deep love from you. And we want to thank you. Because being deeply loved by someone gives you strength to continue on. When you said, I don't know how you're doing it, it's a God thing. Because being deeply loved by someone gives you strength. But loving someone else deeply gives you courage. So not only have I been strengthened, Betty and I, and encouraged this week, but our, our commitment to serve the Lord with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind has just been deepened. And I, I want to thank you for your love for God, your uncompromising lifestyle, and you are the light of the world. You are awesome. You are incredible. And the thing about it is there's nothing you can do about being that incredible because God made you that way. Amen. Would you stand? So many times we seek things and call it faith. And I just want to remind you to keep on the path you are on standing on the word, believing the word, praying the, the prayer of agreement according to the word, confessing the word, declaring the word, calling those things that are not as though they are. But all that's irrelevant if you don't seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. If you don't worship him then his presence and all that he is will stay away from you. But once you're in the presence of God, then all his attributes and all that he is and all his promises will overwhelm you. You don't have to seek the things. You stand on the word. You declare it done. You agree with God's word. He said he'd watch over his word. He'd see that his word never returns void. February 3rd was the day I went in the hospital. I've read the third chapter of Proverbs, the third of every month for as long as I can remember. And I'd never seen this scripture. Proverbs 3.26, that day that I went in the hospital, says this. Let the assurance of the Lord be your confidence and your foot will not be taken. See, when the assurance of the Lord is your confidence, you have that assurance. Regardless of what they say, regardless of the reports you get, Caleb and Joshua were the only ones that got into the promised land because the assurance of the Lord was their confidence. It was how they saw themselves, not how they saw the enemy. The rest of the spies saw the giants and said, we looked like grasshoppers in their eye. They don't know how they looked in those giants' eyes. They never talked to the giants. 
The only difference between the two reports was how they saw themselves and how they and and how they knew their God. When Abraham took Isaac to sacrifice him, he told the servants to stay at the bottom of the hill. He said, "Cause we'll be back." He knew his God. Can I leave you with that? To let the assurance, the assurance of the Lord, be your confidence, and that'll keep your feet on solid ground. I may be a little slower, and I may have a limp, but we haven't let up, and we're not going to look back, let up, slow down, or back away, because our past has been redeemed, our present makes sense. Our future is secure. We're finished and done with low living, sight walking, dwarf goals, cheap giving, smooth knees, and small planning. We don't need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotion, plaudits, or popularity. And we don't have to be right, first, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. Because we now live by faith. We lean on His presence. We labor with His power. Our face is set. Our gate is fast. Our goal is heaven. The road is narrow. The way is rough and our companions are few. But our guide is reliable. We cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, turned back, deluded, or delayed. And we won't flinch in the face of sacrifice or hesitate in the presence of the adversary. We won't negotiate the table of the enemy and we will not ponder at the pool of popularity. And we won't give up, shut up, or let up until we've stayed up, paid up, prayed up, and spoken up for the cause of Christ. Because we are all disciples of Jesus Christ. So you must go till he comes. Give till you drop. And preach till all know. For when he comes for his own, he'll have no problem recognizing you. You are a part of the fellowship of the unashamed. Now give him glory. Thank him for his faithfulness. In Jesus' name. God bless you. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. You've seen a little bit of what I saw about seven years ago when we met for the first time. And I, I'll say this, for over 20 years we were looking for men that we could admire, that would inspire us as young leaders. And when I saw Jack, I said, this is the kind of man I want to become. A faithful husband, an incredible father, an amazing grandfather, a man of God, a world changer. And so we have knitted our hearts together and we've traveled around the world, been in Venezuela, Switzerland, Spain, Peru, Ecuador. Real amazing things God is doing and we're not done yet. We are not done yet. We're just getting started. Yesterday I was with a small boy, must have been like eight years old. And I was showing him a snail. I said, look how, do you think that snail is going fast or slow? 
And he goes, slow. I go, no, he's not. He's carrying the whole house on his back. He's going real fast. How fast would you walk if you had your whole house on your back? So people might think we're going slow, but we're going real fast because we got a lot of burden we're carrying. And then he said, pastor, touch it. I said, no, I'm scared. He goes, no, you're not. You're the pastor. A lot of people think that the pastor is not scared. Listen to me. A lot of times we're fighting battles you do not understand. So when we stand in the pulpit and we speak, it's a fearful thing to serve a living God. It's a fearful thing. You don't want to be in his presence and found unfit and unprepared. And our responsibility as pastor is preparing you to be found right before the Lord. So that's why we call your attention. That's why we speak the way we speak. And um, let's just bow our heads and give thanks to the Lord. Jack, we give thanks to God for your life and your family and your dedication, your faithfulness. Father, we give you thanks this morning for what we've heard. And not so much of what we heard, but what has been imparted to our lives this morning. Through Jack, through the Keene family and their faithfulness, Lord, they're able to continue to encourage Jack to go forward and be an inspiration and to impart truth that he's gathered through endless years of faithfulness, oh God. So we pray that this seed that has been planted in its heart not return void. We pray, Father God, that it would bring forth fruitfulness that would glorify your name. That people would say, the day that I heard Jack speak, that's the day I decided to get serious with God. That's the day I decided to honor my wife. That's the day that I decided to become a man of God to my family and faithful man at the church, serving others, oh God. We pray your blessing would remain, that it would multiply, that it would increase and become fruitful to fill the earth, oh God. And we give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen and amen. Go ahead and greet one another in the love of the Lord. And the next service will be starting at 12.05.